0: good morning traders and investors are you guys ready for another pre-market prep we got applied materials gap raw stores bj a uh, charge point giving out some preliminary results we also see a maybe manchester united finally gets bought a couple upgrades somebody upgrading expedia downgrading canadian solar like you might be a little late to the boat there. We'll get to all the action right here. And of course, we got on my boy Blue. Of course, none other than Blue Putnam. I'm excited to get into today's show. Let's get it started, team. Hit the like button. It's time to rise and shine. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host joel conan this is a volatile puppy here isn't it and dennis did i'm bidding a penny i'd buy that stock for a penny with everything you need to start your trading day
1: All right. Good morning, traders and investors. We're going for our 14th update in the last 16. That's for the S&P up 11 and a half handles at 45.35, 45.34, 75. Uh, the buck is off 20 cents here. Couldn't hold uh, that. Well, still holding that 103.80 level. We'll see if it's a triple bottom or a quad bottom or not. Bonds. Back up 115 in 20, 30 seconds. That's up about a quarter of a point. Crude rebound after yesterday's slacking. That's up 92 cents at 74.01. Gold inching its way back towards 2K, up 430 at 1991.60. Silver in the green, over 24 bucks, making a new high of the move, up 15 cents at $24.08. And Bitcoin futures, they're up $585 at $36,620. Let's bring in uh, Dennis here and uh, Triple D. And uh, Dennis, man, when it comes to retail earnings, it uh, seems like it's always a r- wild ride.
2: Um, everything a wild ride here right now. The markets are a wild ride because what a day yesterday. I mean, you look at the S&P and you think, wow, I was just kind of hanging out. It was kind of a quiet day, but it was anything but a quiet day in the broad market. IWM getting crushed yesterday. A lot of stocks down significantly here. So the S&P we know is so resilient because of the Magnificent Seven. We had Apple strong, Microsoft strong, the other stocks strong. The opposite happening in the IWM, the give back happening here. So we had the big rally three days ago, obviously off the CPI. IWM went to 170, to 178. Then the follow through the next day up to 181 and just quietly losing six bucks basically yesterday the iwm uh giving back half the game so now today and i mean this is the story of the day is the iwm it's not the spy because spy doesn't move the iwm is trading way up again because the tlt is rallying over 90 dollars. so i mean s&ps continue to ignore the tlt don't seem to be connected with it whatsoever maybe because it's so heavily weighted those seven but i mean holy mackerel the movement and the volatility in the iwm is incredible the last three days yeah, we'd just like it to just stabilize
1: a little bit. I mean, you have the support. Um, you have the big gap in there from the CPI number, but I just think we got to keep that big thick line there, the 163 area. We touched it a couple times, so you know the bulls, the bulls are in control as long as that holds. But it just yeah. seems like the the pullbacks
2: are just so deep that it just I wonder how long it can hold up. And I don't know either. Like it's like. There's so many people who are underwater in all those small caps. It's like, and we were talking, you know, about, you know, the rally and bailing you out. And, you know, some people being bailed out the last two months of gains were gone in literally two days. So IWM was sitting not too far from the 52-week low and bang, bang, rallies 12 points while it rallies 7% in two days. And people are using it as a selling opportunity. So overhead supply coming into the issue. For all the small caps and a lot of those other stocks, are just really beat up. And I can't blame the people. I mean, I'm lightening up into it, too, on some of these, you know, trashy stocks, the stocks that are loaded up with debt, you know, like the mm-hmm. ENPHs of the world. I don't have that one. But, you know, it was a significant rally. We're talking about going from 75 to almost $100 in two days. Then, boom, loses eight bucks yesterday, Joel. I mean, there is overhead supply issues all over the place here. People who are underwater on the stuff saying, thank you very much for giving me my money back. That's going to be the battle for all these, you know, stocks that are really beat up because we can say, oh, yeah, it's rounding. You know, now we're going to go. But overhead supply isn't an issue for Microsoft. Overhead supply isn't an issue for Apple. Overhead supply isn't an issue for so many, you know, for NVIDIA. Not really. I mean, 500, you could say, is major resistance, but it's not like everybody is down in NVIDIA. The majority of people are up in NVIDIA. What creates overhead supply is when people are sitting in these portfolios and they're so far down in these stocks, just hoping to get back to even. The majority of people, Microsoft, everybody who is long is up in that stock because it continues to make new highs every single day. The rotation too, Joel, let's just talk about that for a second because that's amazing as well in itself. I mean, you know, it seems like Microsoft, is starting to just move opposite the overall market. Like, I mean, you get a day like today where stocks are ripping higher here once again, Microsoft in the red. Day yesterday where IWN's gonna crush, Microsoft's up five bucks. I mean, when did these stocks start having a negative beta with the market? But I feel like Microsoft just trades opposite the market sometimes.
1: Made a new all, It made a new all-time high yesterday, but uh, more impressive, I like to see you know a closing high. It made an all-time closing high by almost six bucks six bucks that's six bucks away now you're down a little bit 41 cents here but i mean rotation yeah
2: sell every major rotation Microsoft. can we bring money mitch in here in for his conversation too because he's out there trading he's out there in these stocks money mitch what were you seeing yesterday it's kind of a recap of what we're doing sorry we didn't bring you in sooner here we just yeah, i go no, on my five minute tangent and you're not here. I always want your thoughts here too, because you're down there, you're feeling it. I mean, it's such a mixed market here. I mean, you look at the S&Ps and you think, oh, rah, rah, bull, bull. Q's rah, rah, bull, bull. But then when you look under the hood, what an ugly day for a lot of stocks yesterday. Yeah,
0: it was interesting. I was noting it too, that um, there was only one sector that was slightly up and it was technology, but everything else was in the red. Yet The markets were continuing to hold up. Um, and I'm comparing to from the open, right? Not just overall change. Yeah. That's what I like yeah. to pay attention to, what the, st- what the sectors are doing from that opening price, right? Um, I caught an interesting tweet here by Liz Ann Saunders, the chief investment strategist for Charles Schwab. Um, of course, this is bringing in here the AAI sentiment uh, that this has been the fastest two week jump in percentage uh, from the bulls since, of course, late 2021 which, of course, brought the bear market after that, right? Um, I'm not saying that that's what's going to come, but it's very interesting that we've gone so quickly to that kind of overbought, right? Completely flipping the mentality that was just, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, not even. It like it's two weeks ago. Maybe it is three weeks ago. Now three weeks. weeks weeks, Like I would give it like three weeks, but man, it's incredible. Mitch, it's
2: unbelievable, really, from overbought oversold to overbought that quickly here. Um, I, I'm like, when I'm trading here, you know, and you're looking, you're like, okay, well, I have to be very careful. Even when I'm doing, like, just basic index arbitrage here, you got to be careful with, you know, what's connected to what. Because yeah. certain stocks just do not participate. And then certain I stocks w- get crushed. And then certain stocks just can't stop rallying like Microsoft is just doing its own thing and just marching. Microsoft just feels like it's on a march to 400 and nobody's
0: going to stop it. I rang the register in the retail trade yesterday, just had to take the gains off because it was just too quick, too fast. Right. I mean, in in an environment where I can swing trade and make eight to 10% on swings in two to three days. Yeah, I'm going to ring that register every time and take what I can get. I also did a really nice play on the XLE um, that I opened up not yesterday, but the day prior to yesterday near the high. I have eighty five fifty eights, and I'm continuing to watch the deterioration here in oil, looking to see if we go back into the 60s. Um, That's why I was laughing that the U.S. decided to fill the reserves at 78 when the price was going down. It's like you couldn't have waited two weeks or something like that. I mean, you've been waiting like over a year, but um, this is the XLE, uh, Joel, not XLI. Um,
1: oh, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear. No, no, no. There. Just uh, sh- X- yeah,
0: short I- on this, on this oil game. Um, I took some profits yesterday towards 83s, and looking to see if the 8250 kind of daily level can break here. See oil continue to come down, and trying to find ways to play it. I'll tell you right now, guys. I did cut like a SQQQ and Apple type of short. Um, I got that yesterday. Was looking to see if we'd see the turn, but it just wasn't coming. And I'm I, also I not going to fight it. It's
2: so tough to to short these leaders because again, no overhead supply, blue skies, the things just people want to own them. We're coming to the end of the year and they're like, I got to have these stocks in my books. We have a major options expiration here today mm, here too, Joel, that's interesting. Um, which sometimes can flip, but we're just seasonality is just working in this market's favor overall here too. I, I just don't know, like, I still think it's the mega cap tech that continues to win. And I know valuations suck there. I wish they all had reasonable valuations. I'd load them all up in the long-term portfolio. But I do think it turns in 2024. That's why I'm like, long-term, I'm like, I got to think further than six weeks out. I'm like, I think as a trade, I think we keep buying these things on dips. I do think as long-term investments, I'm staying away just because of valuation.
0: Let's get to applied materials q four adjusted e p s two dollars and twelve cents beats the two dollar estimate revenues of six point seven two billion beat the six point five one six billion estimate applied materials sees q one adjusted e p s at a dollar seventy two to two dollars and eight cents versus a dollar sixty nine estimate yet look at that price action. What happened here? Of course, there's investigations behind here do you guys know a little bit more about that situation uh that's definitely affecting the company because it wasn't the numbers here at least from what i can see
2: numbers were fine again though you're a victim of you know your own success here you got applied materials sitting at all-time highs look what they did to walmart walmart they crushed it on pretty decent numbers stocks that are reporting that are at all-time highs they really got to blow it away. Even Kramer, where Kramer's to producer, must be listening to the show. Kramer had a whole segment right off the bat on the bar and talking about the bar. And he was his <laughs> oh, really? target. The whole segment, Joel, on the bar. And you know what else but he you said? You guys too, don't funny, know. I, I'm the producer he said, also. Th- listen to this. He says the target <laughs> bar was on the ground and they could simply walk over it. Where did he uh, hear con- that line before? I don't know if I've ever said that before. Oh, yeah, maybe I have. Maybe that's Hi, the one Kramer. I say all the time. Hi. How you doing? Hi, producers for Mad Money. Mitch, Hi, Mitch, Mitch money. is a double
1: agent. Mitch is a, a double agent. agent. Are you I, the secret?
2: Do you secretly know. work as a producer for Mad today. Money? <laughs> <laughs> you that's secret, goes, you man. double agent. You it's been Mitch hey. the whole time. No wonder. Oh, you think our I'm gonna replace him? up on mad money? You're I'm the gonna... secret producer. Wow. Oh, wow, that just how
1: it It's getting pounded down. Great uh, parallel you made with the Walmart and Walmart. It's up a buck today, but same kind of scenario there uh, right up near all-time highs. We're too close to the pre-market low for me to say, yeah, you know, the, the, the low for the day is in. It wasn't in Palo Alto Networks, right? I mean, that was just kind of a crazy move. It didn't even get to the 230 area. So for AMAT, uh, I'm just going to look at the monthly low here. And uh, that's still another 4 bucks away. Uh, no, it's 10 bucks away, 132 So. 78 Hard to step out ahead. That's still 10 bucks away. Will it be down 20 on this news? I don't think so. But right now, the only number you have is that pre market low, 142.80, and the top of yesterday's range. Oh, I got the daily down here. I'll change that for you guys in a second. 151.20. I don't think you're going to see that. That was the bottom of yesterday's range in AMAT. AMAT goes splat.
2: You got to think, though, that there is underneath demand in a lot of these stocks. And I don't know if it comes in on day one. Definitely didn't come in on Walmart on day one. So I think you're watching Walmart's action. You know, this is the same story. Response, good, decent earnings, but just response to the tape. Stocks, the bar, to as Kramer was pointing out, as we point out, the bar was super high for Walmart, super high for Palo Alto Networks, super high for Applied Materials, bar really low for Target. You know, it's all yeah. about the bar. This earnings season
0: came after Costco, too, with that, right? I mean, it does have a nice. Costco, little got, hammered Costco got hammered yesterday. They're hammering
2: lead, They're hammering those leaders. Like the yep. non, you know, again, you know, they haven't hammered, hammered Microsoft, but they're, you know, Costco goes down because of Walmart. And they're like, oh, boom. And obviously, these are pairs. You know, the pairs was always Target. I used to always pair trade Costco, Walmart, Target. Like you could piston trade the three of them, like ding, 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 ding. And Costco and Walmart have been on their own thing. They're just doing their own things, all-time highs, and Target is just like hated, hated, hated. Well, that changed for at least a day.
0: Let's get BJ's report here. BJ's whole club sales here. Q3 adjusted EPS of 98 cents beats the 96 cent estimate. Sales of 4.92 billion missed the 4.96 billion estimate. And BJ, you should have told me. I would have gone and spent a little extra millions, man. I've been there just last week. Uh, BJ's whole sales expects a comparable club sales uh, impact of gasoline sales to range two percent to decrease one percent increase in Q4 to increase one percent to one point eight percent prior view being two percent, so not as rosy as a report as probably BJ's wanted here. Um, can this get the lift since it's on the lag?
2: Um, oh, Joel, you got some levels. Joel, give me some levels. Okay, I, I just say it's sixty-four. Too small for me.
1: Yeah, I mean you breached sixty-four in the pre-market, sixty-three fifty. So if the bulls if the bulls really want to do anything, they gotta get a sustained bid here above sixty-four right now that's exactly where it's trading. Things are thin between 62 and 64. I don't see any, you know, ah, well, there's a couple other lows just under 64, but things open up on the downside this is a mover. This one had a target on its back going into the earnings because of uh because of the micro uh, cause of the Walmart. You can see, yeah, so yeah. it was just that it was almost inevitable, you know, what they did you know with the uh with with the report, it's under pressure. So, sixty four is sticking out to me. I think that's a good number, short term and long term. Uh, investors in it don't want to see it turn into resistance for BJ's uh
3: Wholesale Club.
2: Let's go to those retailers. Let's go to that gap.
1: Retail. Oh, the
2: gap, the gap. Thing is gapping up. Whenever we used Who, to say, "Hold on, gap, hold on," though. How many, before how many times we could
0: say "gap" before we give the numbers here. Anybody yeah. in the chat ever even been to a gap in the last year? Let me know. So put a yeah if you have. Old name. Yeah if you haven't. Year? Old it's years since I've been in the <laughs> I'll course. tell you right years. now. It's been a long time. Uh so the years. adjusted EPS here coming in at 59 cents, beating the 18 cent estimate. Revenues How? of 3.767 <laughs> billion beats Ow. the 3.61 billion estimate. Yet, they say that fiscal year 23 net sales could be down in mid-single-digit range compared to a 15.8, 15600000000 uh, billion year-over-year year outlook. Um, you so could they say sing... this
2: run up into the report and the bar was higher, but Gap is such an eternal laggard. It just has laggard-like, and if you look out to 2021, $37 in 2021 is 13 bucks. So just because I a $2 rally into it, the bar is still low. So you've got to have a little bit of context more than like the last, you know, 30 days of trading here. Bar is super low for this company. Gap is an eternal sell in my book. I've hated this stock forever, correctly hated this stock forever. Um, I do think this just eventually goes back down. I don't know. It's squeezing for a day, though. So we'll have let the short squeeze have their day. Just yeah, off man. the
1: pre-market high. I mean, I don't want to call it a high until it's a high. I traded pretty good volume too. Uh, so we'll look to follow through through the pre-market high. Where's my mouse here? Pre-market high is on a nice number here at 1640, uh, 1650. forty, sixteen fifty. We'll keep an eye on that. Oh, only twenty cents away. I would, you know, I don't want to be a fader, but I'm looking at like what the Macy's did yesterday. Opened up near its high, so. I think it's critical the the opening on this one if if you open up like 1650, 1670, you know, you go to that area and then you reverse and you come back down through the open where where where's their support? You know what I mean? Right. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to fault you for buying this off the open and say, yeah, this thing's going to its next yeah. monthly high which is 18 and a half, but if doing so, do it with a really tight leash. because I, I love that energy. strategy,
2: Joel. You taught me that strategy <laughs> way back in 1999, and you focus on those Opens. And they're so important because the Open is an event where there's a lot of people long and a lot of people short from that price. It's a huge volume event. And when you see the Open come in, and let's just say we'll set up the trade for you just like you just did. You know, stock opens, let's say it's sixteen fifty. If you're buying that open, you don't want to start seeing it go down from there. You want to see it hold that open. If it goes up, your stop goes in at that opening price. So, you know, if it goes up 1650, so it's going 1680, 17, you're holding at 1650. Because when it comes back through 1650, that's where all those open traders start to lose money. And then they start to get scared and start to cut their losses because the opening is full of day traders. And that's why it matters so much. And there is a lot of day traders that actually play it smart and they cut their losses. So, opening is a huge event. And I mm-hmm. trade these stocks. If I'm trading these stocks the same way where where they open, you don't want to see a breach back through it. And the same thing too if you're shorting the open. Let's say you go short the open at 1650. Stock falls off to 16, 1580, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm making the money, man. Because it starts coming back up and goes back through 1650, you don't want to be shorted anymore. So open is very important when you're trading a stock like this off earnings. That opening number.
1: Uh, I do remember the last time I went to the gap.
2: <laughs> it, was,
1: a while. <laughs> it was a little it was a little over a year ago yeah and lisa i was going by the store and lisa asked me to return something
0: oh there you so go. that that was it
1: so i did I actually else there. yeah there you go so all right uh what else you got for us mitch
0: yeah uh ross stores let's keep it oh in yeah EPS here at $1.33 beats by 11 cents. Revenues of $4.92 billion beat by $80 million. Raw stores continued to project same store sales for 13 weeks, ending in January 27-24 to be up 1% to 2%. Uh, they did raise fiscal year 23 EPS guidance from 5.15 and 5.26, now to 5.30 and 5.36. They revised Q4 outlook from $1.58 to $1.64. Uh, now to a dollar wow. fifty six and a dollar sixty two, so really very similar on the guidance there. Maybe the EPS guidance you can give them a little lift on.
2: Good good numbers. It's not the kind like that are blowing it away here though. I'm actually surprised the stock's making new all time high on this. I'd be careful on oh, this one. It is. I, oh. I think I think what we just said with the gap applies to Ross Stores. If this thing opens one twenty eight. And then starts to breach. You don't want to see it go back down through the opening price. So if you're buying this for a breakout, breakouts have to be breakouts. You don't want to get caught in the fake out here. So setting up the trade, and I'm not doing this, but I'm saying if you are, and I'm kind of thinking it's going down, so this is opposite to what I'm thinking. Um, If this thing opens like 128 and then goes 130, then comes back down through 128, you don't want any part of it. So write down that opening price. And if it trades back through that price, then you don't want any part of it. That's my opinion. On how to trade the stock, uh, you just tick one twenty nine.
1: That's another two bucks here. So this is, you know, at least it's not as close to the uh, to the pre market high as Gap stores. But my focus for this one is, uh, you know, it's a one twenty seven area, and the reason is is you had three monthly tops right in that area, and then also when you hit one twenty nine, you did get a little bounce here at one twenty seven. So uh, that's what I look at it under one twenty seven. You got a gap to fill here. I don't think you'll get it. Uh that 2393 was the top of yesterday's range. Uh the all-time high in this is one one thirty-four thirty-two or one thirty-four twenty-two. That was back in May of last year. But uh longer term too, folks. Keep an eye on this one twenty-seven because it was three monthly highs in a row. That's a and then it had a significant decline off that level. So that's what we'll do for Ross stores.
0: ChargePoint releasing preliminary oh Q3 results and expecting revenues of 108 million to 113 versus 150 and 165 as previously expected and expects to take a non-cash impairment charge of 42 million and it looks like they're appointing a new CEO here Rick Weimer as CEO and kicking out the old seems huh. that they didn't like that I think the stock's gonna go bankrupt. Just my opinion.
2: I don't have no crystal ball or anything like that. I don't have But no then
0: if they go bankrupt. Me. I don't have
2: our crystal ball.
0: <laughs> if they go bankrupt, Dennis, then how the hell do we ever get the infrastructure for Tesla. EVs?
2: Tesla. Well, give us the infrastructure. But charge point, I mean you look, there's other ones too. Like what are the three? There was like the three. Charge point. EV, What's the other go, ones? You,
0: know, you can Blood do power. blink.
2: blink. Blank. No, not blank has it's the it's Wall Street blank. spets right plunk. now
0: behind it like crazy, man. Look at that chart. Blank. Look at the volume that's there. I'm yeah. not messing with this thing. Well, yeah, but that's
2: thing. that's Spuddy there, though. That's <laughs> the cat guy, right? That's the roaring kitty, that's baby. The, that's the cat guy. <laughs> that's the Meow. That's that. <laughs> now. So what is there? So give us the ones because I don't follow all these dog stocks. EVGO chat, you're good, good. EVGO is the other one here, too. These are all two three dollar stocks. I mean, mm-hmm. all these things look like they're going bankrupt. You know, maybe they are. The Roaring Kitty's got the one, so it's not going to go bankrupt anytime soon because that guy can really push stocks. But besides him, I mean, EVGO. There's, there's half a dozen of these other ones, aren't there? These yeah, I'm trying companies. to think of them. I mean, I don't know. It's just too much money. You're, the infrastructure is too much cost to get it up and going. And then they're trying to, like, turn
0: it around. Tough, tough, tough business. Yeah, I mean, especially, especially
2: when nobody's going to be buying EVs. <laughs> there you go. Money. There's the biggest that's problem. The
0: hard, that's the hardest part. These companies need to raise money to probably survive next year so that they could finally get to what I think raising money, like maybe one, 25 rate, rates are uh, killing them, too. Yeah, What's no, it's rate? not going to help they're them. Eight, nine, 10 percent. They're not getting an
2: Apple 1.5 percent. I'll tell you that much.
0: That That's why I would be careful with blink on both sides. Right. You never know when they could raise money as they're getting this spike in price right now. Um, And then one thing that I've talked about with you, Dennis, is that I don't think, you know, EV really takes off until we don't have like gas station. We have EV charging stations where like you go to, you know, instead of you seeing like eight pumps and one charging station, maybe you get to the point where there's four charging stations and four gas pumps, something like that. When I start seeing things like that, that's when I'll know. Yeah, we're not in this EV boom. Yeah,
2: we're not at that point yet. And the EVs, honestly, just in 2024, and we're starting to see it. people are going to have less money. There's not going to be a lot. Let's go buy a $100,000 or $80,000 or the $120,000 or whatever it was in Canada, F-150 disaster of a truck that is the lightning. I mean, it actually looks awesome. I I saw somebody in a parking lot, Joel, um, about two weeks ago. I was at the LCBO, which is a liquor control board in Ontario, because they or it's always, where you go get your liquor in Ontario. And um, that they had the, he had the, the front open. So they call it like the frunk or whatever on the truck, because there's no motor up there. And I was like, that truck looks awesome, though. I'm like, do you like it? He's like, oh, I love it. But then I'm like, it doesn't it. tow well. And I tow everything, man. I'm always towing stuff. And, it's a hundred thousand bucks or a hundred and ten thousand bucks. I'm like, I don't know who's going it, to buy it, but it looks really cool.
0: I'm sorry, I'm getting a Porsche for that money. I am not. That's exactly it. No if EV you just grand, electric. Truck. You want something like that's like you know. I want a 911 Turbo, and like I will show you guys what to do with that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, not an EV at a, at that price. Just outrageous, guys that's paying for more than your house, right? That guy's probably paying more for that car than he's paying for his mortgage at his house, but hey. That's it, that's it, these cars, think about what, you used to be able to buy a house for a hundred grand, Joel, do you remember like what
2: you pay? I don't know if you want to tell me, but you know, I think about like what I paid for my houses back in the day, like 20, you know, you pay this and you know, what these houses are going for now. So give you Ontario luck. 2006. Well, in in, in, 19, in 2000, I bought my first condo, and it was 125 grand, and it was sitting downtown Windsor. It was nice, um, on the 29th floor. Um, and then you know I sold that, and I barely made nothing because real estate didn't just go up like that then. And then I went and bought my first house for 340,000, which was a really nice house. Canadian money, so that's like a quarter million. But it was a really nice house, 2,700 square feet, nice subdivision, really nice. Then, you know, you turn around, you sell it. I over doubled my money on the dang house. But now you look, it's like six, seven, eight hundred thousand in this area buys you like not even that nice of a house, like a 600,000, like almost a fixer upper now. I'm like, what world are we in? So, I mean, how's people get the money to ever afford houses there? And I don't know what they're going for in your area, Mitch. I don't know what they're going for in your area. And obviously I'm in Canada, so you got to knock off the the third because, you know, for the currency. But. I mean, housing houses are just insane. The
0: prices, yeah, I would. I mean, take it could be one of your here. best
1: investments, and you know, uh that you can make. Yeah, but the either. problem has there, been, Joel. but at this point, yeah, yeah, time, yeah, yeah. It,
2: I'm it, wondering it, it, at this point in time. It's such a good point you're making. I yeah. wonder at this point in time if these are actually bad investments.
0: They are because let's just be honest. Have
2: went up so much. The bubble is so much that people are actually going to start losing money. You think about all the people, oh, I just go buy three, four houses and, you know, I make, And if you were buying three, four houses 10 years ago, you're a millionaire. You're a yeah, millionaire. I mean, the, just the like here, that because all these houses have doubled in price. But, but you, you just get wonder underwater, if that's sustainable and that can
0: continue. If you get underwater in these loans, will you be able to refinance them? They're going to want I, I don't know. Like They're going to want equity. You need equity in the house then to refinance. And so these people might get stuck with seven, 8% mortgages. Or I don't know about you guys or more. I don't know about you guys, but that's the literally what I'm facing right now. I'm looking at it and I wanted to buy in the pandemic, but I also didn't want to buy a house that I couldn't even look inside of it, right? And so a lot of people bought this. I don't know how they did it, but we, we got the biggest move in house purchases uh, in the pandemic, but we'll see what happens, what comes out of that. I think in the long run, we see at least a 20% hit on houses. Then will they be stuck? In those high mortgage, high Patrick rate. Patrick looks
2: like he's over uh talking in euros. it's that Euros, he's talking Euros, 000 first house, second house two hundred thousand. Now it's five hundred and fifteen thousand. Yeah, That's man. exactly double, it. double so if not up more. Like tenfold in twenty years, some of these houses. Like there was houses you could buy for a hundred grand. You, know, you remember buying houses for a hundred grand, don't you? Joel's time yeah. you know, buying houses for ten grand. He's like an nah. <laughs> <it's> ancient times. <laughs> just joking but i mean a hundred thousand dollars 20 years ago could buy you a house now it buys you a car (laughs) now it
0: buys you a car exactly that 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 should not be and let's just be honest the middle class is the one that gets screwed in this situation because there's no way they can afford these houses or these cars now that's what we're gonna do hey who are the boat makers who are the boat makers uh oh, well if,
2: if that's a, the pure the what's the stock not, uh, that, is it look at polaris Malibu boats what, what Malibu about boats or something yeah but look at a bigger one let's look at polaris who makes like jet skis snowmobiles and all these things pii i okay. mean <laughs> who's, i want to say who's buying this stuff in 2024 so this polaris Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say, looking at the chart here, and I've talked about this before, I've had this conversation before. I mean, it's still holding on pretty well. And people can look at the the Benzinga Pro and say, oh, there's some good value here. So I'm just trying to take it. I'm going to take it to another step here for a second. Look at Polaris and you can say, oh, it's like, you know, good value. It's trading with a PE of eight. You know, the four P is nine. How can you go wrong? Well one is people will need financing to buy this stuff because these snowmobiles aren't selling for 3000 bucks, 2000 bucks. Some of these are 20 grand, 10, 15, 20 thousand Jet skis as well. They can go crazy. I don't know who is going to be able to afford to buy these things in 2024. So I think a stock like this is a huge value trap. And a stock like this that rallies towards the end of the year, I think is the gift. So I mean don't get attracted and say, "Oh, P9. This is a cyclical business, folks. We haven't been to a real recession for a long time. If the, if the, if the consumer gets tighter and the financing stays tight, and it is tight right now, they're going to have trouble buying jet skis and snowmobiles in 2024. So this stock here, I believe, is a value trap.
1: A nice move. Uh, Keep an eye on 84. That's a double bottom on the monthlies. Your pop up to 95, 11 point point move. So if you feel like you want to buy this thing on a pullback here, the $90 area is halfway back, but you absolutely have to lean on those monthly lows. And then on the upside, uh, if you're looking for more upside on this, man, you got to get over 95. You peaked there in October. And you peak there in November. So let a quick look at Polaris. The Malibu Boats is uh, sinking too in
2: price. What is the symbol Malibu Boats? Small, small company. What is
1: M-B-U-U. it? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this is a really small company. And here. it looks ugly.
0: <laughs>
2: and it's bounced. And all this stuff is giving you another out. You know what yeah. this bounce is. Again, I don't think we're at the lows where this was the low and you want to go load up on Malibu Boats. On dips, I'm buying mega cap tech. I'm buying, you know, not the sole value. You've got to look beyond that. I don't want to own anything in 2024. If customers require financing. I don't want to own anything that's got a whole lot of debt. I don't want to own that stuff because it's just math, folks. It's not predictions. It's math. People okay. are going to have less. If rates stay up here, people will have less money in 2024. All mm. right. So let's talk to our chief economist over at the CME Blue Putnam.
1: He's going to give us his perspective on the inflation numbers.
3: Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Excuse me. Thanks for sending over uh, uh, the information here that we're going to cover. And, uh, you know, let's just start like, you know, right at the top. Let's start with the inflation
3: outlook. And, Has it already gotten back to 2%? Oh, yeah. You can uh, flip to that chart. Um, So here's the deal. The the reason we're not at 2% on all the metrics, there we go. The reason we're not at 2% is something called owner equivalent rent. And we've talked about that before. I mean, everybody, OER, uh, this is where it's it's 25% of the headline inflation number. It's huge. And, uh, you know, it's a fiction, you rent your house to yourself, you pay yourself the money, and that money actually gets pers- counted in personal income statistics. And supposedly, you can spend it, give me a break, that's not going to happen. So, you know, I don't like taking things out of the CPI and stuff. But you know, this one's a fiction. So if you take it out, we're, at, uh, we're below 2%, we've been below 2% for three months, we've already hit the Fed's targets. Uh, you know, and I think the market over the last couple of weeks has really come to realize that inflation is not the issue. We're not going back to six, seven percent inflation. Um, you know, we're uh, we're in great shape on the inflation outlook. OK, so so, go ahead, so, so are
2: we so is it like green light by stocks then? like if the Fed's done and we're in great shape on inflation, doesn't that just mean the economy is going to boom? What are your thoughts here on the overall economy then?
3: Well, I think you need a yellow light. <laughs> a
2: yellow light? Okay, now i yellow light.
3: Caution. Um, awesome. Here's the, the problem. Inflation, you know, if I'm, um, you know, if you take my view that inflation really has come down to a very reasonable level, um, <clears throat> then what you've got to worry now is about slowdown in the economy. And you also have to worry about the Fed staying higher longer. The Fed doesn't buy the story that I just gave you, Okay. They're looking at core inflation is still a little, you know, between three and three and a half, uh, all because of the shelter problem. And uh, so they could keep rates higher for longer. Uh, and and we're going to see a slowdown in the labor market in 2024. I mean, labor force isn't growing as fast as it was. The the post-pandemic recovery has really played out. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be creating uh, probably just between 50 and 100,000 jobs a month on average next year, much lower. Um, so, uh, so you only get a yellow light for equities because uh, the green light is bond yields are are lower, so you can buy equities. Uh, the yellow light is well, wait a minute, profit growth is slowing, the economy is slowing. Let's uh, let's at least be slightly cautious.
1: So we shouldn't look for the uh, the kind of you know market that we had two thousand nine
3: through two thousand twenty one. Well, you know, we had zero interest rates in QE, and I think they had a huge effect on the market. Uh, so I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go back there. This is an interesting chart. The gray line is the um, nominal GDP, so that's real GDP plus inflation. The blue line is corporate profits for the whole economy. This isn't S and P. This is GDP data for every company in the in the country, and you can see in the '80s and '90s. Uh, Corporate profits didn't grow all that fast. And then after we got 1% rates from Greenspan and 0% rates for uh from Bernanke and Yellen and Powell, you know, corporate profits took off. You know, when capital is virtually free, companies go for growth. And when they go for growth, they get some. Uh, by the way, that era is ended.
1: Okay. Everyone talks about deficits, right? And uh the huge deficit we have and in- growing as we speak. How much do budget deficits matter for the economy and the markets?
3: You know, it's really an interesting question because a lot of people do focus on budget deficits and the larger the deficit, they think that's an easier, more expansionary policy. Eventually, bond yields would have to rise. Maybe you get inflation, things like that. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe that budget deficits matter very much for the economy and for inflation. What I do believe is that expenditures matter, what the government spends. If the government spends a lot of money, like the $5 trillion they spent during the pandemic, we're gonna get inflation, okay? But that spending, it hasn't totally gone away because we're spending more now, but it's predominantly military spending. Military spending is 90, 95% spent in the United States. So it's still been stimulative in 2023 um but when i when i look at fiscal policy i think we're going to have a very tight fiscal policy over the next 10 years but i define tight as virtually no growth in discretionary expenditures by the government now if you define tight or loose based on the budget deficit you're going to think wow the budget deficit's getting huge it's a trillion dollars a year already and growing uh, interest exp- excuse me, interest expense is a trillion dollars a year in growing, fastest growing item in the budget. But the budget deficit is just telling you that the government has to issue more debt. And yeah, maybe that pushes bond yields a touch higher, but I, it's, it's not a big thing. Okay. It will be, a, you know, maybe in 15 years, 10 years, I don't know. At some point, it's going to be too large and we're going to have a huge problem, but we're not at that stage yet.
1: Uh, one thing that, that markets need to exhibit for, for me is like lower lower volatility. I mean, these bonds are trading like, you know, bonds and related equities to that are just, there's abrupt gaps and it's just all over the place. I like stability. I want to keep rates right here. I don't want a recession. I don't want to see 6%. I don't want to see 3%. Are large abrupt price gaps increasingly, are they going to continue?
3: Oh, yeah, you put up an interesting graphic I like to show here. This is a pot of water boiling. And, you know, we understand what a liquid is. So we understood what the, you know, the economy looked like in 2010, 2015, whatever. And we understand a gas to some extent. We understand what a new state of the economy might look like. But, man, when you go from one state to the next, you're in transitions. We're going to transition to higher rates. We just finished the transition out of the pandemic. We got climate transitions. We got geopolitical geopolit- transitions. All of the chaos of the transition is at the surface. The little bubbles, that's where the chaos is. And that's the hardest thing to predict. Uh, and so I don't think you have a chance at, at uh, consistently lower volatility for a while. We got too many transitions going on.
1: And then, uh, well, that... Uh- continue into the fx market we're not fs experts here but uh the interest entry rate differentials between uh you know across the globe here is that gonna uh, is that gonna wreak havoc on the
3: markets well i don't think um what happens in fx has too much to do with u.s equities um but i do think we get a lot of fx volatility you know the u the, the federal reserve uh was first to raise rates The ECB followed, but they're going to end up at a lower peak rate. Bank of Japan hasn't even started. Um, You know, they're still at their policy rate is minus 10 basis points, and they will raise rates in 2024, but very, very slowly. So we're going to end up with some pretty solid wide interest rate differentials. And that tells me that we'll have a lot of instability in foreign exchange.
2: Uh, In the last
3: week or two, you know, the dollar has been just a touch weaker against the euro and and the yen just in the last three or four days. And that's because of, uh, you know, the the more optimism about inflation and maybe the Fed can cut. Uh, But longer term, I think U.S. rates are going to end up higher than European rates and way higher than Japanese rates.
0: Yeah, let's get into China, of course, their demographics have been struggling and overall struggling, right? Uh, we've been seeing, where's the demand? When is it going to come back? Are we going to see it? it? <laughs>
3: um, so th- these are interesting charts. They're called po- population pyramids. The one on the left is 1990 for China. Uh, the young people are at the bottom, working age is in the middle, retirees at the top. 1990 is the sweet spot for a fast-growing economy a lot of young workers no retirees then you go to 2020 the growth in the young people is zero and you got a lot of retirees so you know that that sweet spot is gone and then if you look at the future they have even they actually have a, a shrinking population in china after about 2025 and uh and a massive increase in uh, the over 65 cohort it's going to be a slower, much, much slower growing economy. And that's before I even talked to you about property market, debt overhang, uh, 20% youth unemployment, all these headwinds for China. Uh, but China had three decades where it could grow at 10%. And they built infrastructure, they used all that labor, they moved people from the rural to the urban, they did lots of things right. Uh, but now, it's not really right or wrong anymore. They're just way older. Uh, nothing wrong with getting older, except that uh, you're a little less productive. In fact, uh, you tend to retire. So uh, you know that that economy is not going to be a ten percent economy. It'll, in fact, it'll probably be lucky to be a three percent over the next ten years.
0: All right, let's continue. We'll pull down the presentation. We'll get into just a, a good conversation, right? A lot of people are now and. In- I even saw the Fed tool pointing to it, is a rate cut in May. Do you think that this is potentially could happen, Blue? And when do you see the famous pivot happening?
3: Well, the the Fed, Jay Powell doesn't like pivots. He's pivoted a couple of times and it hasn't helped his credibility. (laughs) So uh, let's just say that he wants to be absolutely, totally sure that inflation has been beaten. And I can guarantee you he's not listening to me. So, uh, you know, he's probably going to take things uh, a good bit slower. Uh, But the data is, I believe, going to be pretty compelling by the second quarter of next year. Uh, And and on two fronts, that is, I think we'll we'll be pretty sure that inflation is, it may not be back to 2% on the core, but close enough. You don't need to keep rates at five and a quarter, five and a half. If you're if you've got inflation down to three, uh, you could cut rates to four percent without and stay and stay restrictive. Uh, so I think the Fed funds futures are telling you, you know what the market thinks could happen. Uh, but I do think the Fed is likely to be a little more stubborn than the markets on lowering rates because of credibility issues. But then when they do lower them, they might lower them faster than the market thinks. So uh, uh, you know, timing and direction are pretty critical here. I think the you know my timing would be to listen to Jay Powell and push the timing back, uh, but my uh, longer run view would be rates go down further than he's thinking.
0: Chances of recession in 24. Of course, it's a major topic right now. We've been thinking about it. Will the consumer slow down? Will we run into maybe housing issues? I've made a video on commercial real estate worries. What are you seeing here, Blue?
3: Well, your video on commercial real estate certainly spot on. Uh, they they've Appreciate got serious that. problems, um, but the, but they're not serious enough to sink the economy. Uh, so I, I think the mm-hmm. economy slows down. I think we'll, we'll have like a one percent handle or one and a half on real GDP for 2024. Uh, for me, it's 60 percent. We avoid a recession. 40 percent. We get in one. So it, it's a it's a pretty close uh, probability situation there. But you have to have something big break that dominoes through the whole economy. So we already know that commercial real estate, particularly in the big centers, it's it's broken. Um, but if you look, and we we knew that the regional banks broke with Silicon Valley back in March of, of the, you know, but that, that got ring-fenced. And so that's that didn't domino through the economy. So you only get a really bad recession when something dominoes through the whole thing and people lose a lot of jobs all at once. And that's what I don't see. I just see a major... Slowing down, uh, so we're not gonna like it. But I don't think it's a recession yet. But it's a
0: close call. So, bend not break is what you're kind of. Yeah, that's about. it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I don't
3: great. think the. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe I should go with that. the uh, The U.S. economy tends to be way more resilient than policymakers give it credit for. You know, they they want to do stuff. It's their job to do stuff they got to feel like they're needed and i feel like they they don't give the economy the resilience that it really has we have a very resilient economy yeah
1: well rounded Canada
2: canada's already in a, an official recession the last two quarters of negative gdp so you know it's different but it seems like in the us and maybe it's i still think it's a lot to do with mortgages that everybody's sitting on 30 year fixed and that interest rates just don't impact their biggest expenditure as much as it does in other countries i mean canada has you know you get your neighbor oh my mortgage is coming up next year or my mortgage is coming up in three months and they're starting to cut back spending because of that i mean maybe the us just stays resilient because of these 30-year mortgages well
3: yeah i mean uh if you bought a house in the last 12 years your mortgage is in the three percent territory and uh you're not going to sell that house now if you're in canada your your mortgage is a floater and uh it's half
2: the people are floaters
3: so, uh, so you know, Canada gets hit much harder than the U.S. on this situation. Um, but you know, housing has already impacted uh, durable goods. You know, you, you you don't when you buy and sell houses, you buy and sell appliances and all kind of other things that go into houses. And there is zero inflation in durable goods right now. So it's had we an did. impact, but it's just the the question is: Is it enough of an impact to cause a recession? It's definitely had an impact.
1: The $64,000 question brought up by the managing director, chief economist, and my old (laughs) stopping grounds, the CME group. Blue, just such such an education uh, in asking you these questions. And we really appreciate you joining us here on Pre-Market Prop. We'll be dialing you up once more before the end of the year. So no vacations for you, Blue. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i got one coming but i'll be back
0: all right i love all it right. blue. always good Thanks. to have you thank you all right Thanks we'll get to back to it always good to have blue I, I love that he comes not only prepared with the presentation but you guys he's see awesome. it's a conversation wow. he's always on point it's yeah always he's to awesome have him. bottom line awesome
1: okay uh we're leaking a little bit yeah,
2: we're uh, leaking. Yeah. oh the man housing, housing starts, this morning building permits. man we had an what 830 building permits number. Yeah, here, I, I showed it on made, the screen. Uh, yeah, it was 1. it 1.48 so versus 1.45. A little bit up. A little bit up. Is that enough to spook Yeah, the TLT because we're getting a slight bit? tick down, right? Well, <laughs> TLT tick spooked down. under 90 again. So we spooked back under it's 90. The critical 90 level, we spooked under it on that thing. So, yeah. I mean, again, as TLT goes, the idea was going except for yesterday when there was this disconnect here, which is somewhat concerning. And maybe we should talk about the disconnect that the IWM and the TLT had yesterday. Yeah. We talked about it on the closing print here, Joel, but we haven't mentioned it on pre-market prep. TLT had a great day yesterday, and IWM did not. And yeah. that is concerning in itself, because one thing had has, you know, obviously IWM has been connected with the bonds because they're worried about rates. But a concern would happen is if the, the IWM starts worrying about the economy more than the rates. And I'm starting to think that is starting to occur, that the IWM is starting to worry about, what if we do go into recession? What if we get higher? What if we have these rates elevated yeah. for a prolonged period of time, coupled with slowing growth? What happens then? IWM, you ain't going to want to own it then. I actually lightened up a little bit of my IWM long-term position. I'm thinking about lightening up more into today's rally in my long-term. I want to like not own the small stuff because if rates are going to be higher for longer, and I think they are, I don't think we're going back down to 1%, 2%, 3% interest rates anytime soon. So I think they're going to be up here for a while. I think small caps are going to continue to suffer in 2024. And you're getting this recent rally, which is bailing you out of a lot of stocks.
0: We'll see if we get the turn today. I think that's what we'll be kind of keeping an eye out for, um, especially like big cap tech, right? When will that continue or will we continue seeing that weakness that you pointed out earlier in the show, Dennis, about Microsoft starting to pull back? That's why I was looking at Apple also. I'm already out of the trade, so I'll kind of talk about what I saw there. Is yesterday there's a gap fill from the date of August 3rd. Yeah, we talked about that. Is that playing as resistance here? Um, and that's what I was looking at. That's why I shorted it yesterday in the 190s, uh, thinking that maybe I could risk off of that level. I cut it already because you know this morning seeing Amat go down so much, the market not even like just straight shrugging it off. Um, yeah, this, the bulls are strong. That's one thousand. The bulls 000%. are
2: strong in certain stocks. Yeah. And we've got to continue to like we can come in and just say, you know, the blinders and we're a spy and the queues are making new all time highs and what a resilient market. But there are half the stocks. Remember, I I tweeted this out just, you know, and again, maybe it's not the case because we've come up here. But just before we had the rally um, of the S&P 500, there was only 220 stocks that were green on the year and 280 that were down despite the S&P being up 13 percent. So your average stock is actually not performing well. Now, we have seen a significant rally in all of those stocks in the last two weeks. I'm just throwing it out that maybe the significant rally is another out, another chance to lighten up the stuff that's burdened with debt, consumers needing financing to buy their products. Maybe this is just another chance to get out of those stocks, maybe move to the sidelines for a bit, but eventually move into stuff which is safer. And you know what is safe is the Microsofts and the Apples are safer. Not saying those, you know, valuations an issue, but we know those companies are not in going to be any trouble if rates stay up because 0% financing on the iPhone continues despite what we have seen happen in rates. And I mean, their products are cheap enough. It's not like you're going to buy a $100,000 car at Apple now, yeah, maybe that's why Apple never got into cars. Maybe they were the smart ones. Yeah. I mean, maybe yep. they actually stuck with something that the You're consumer on is there. unwilling to give up. And I mean, you can be you can be on, you know, out of money completely. People will not give up their iPhones. No, nope. they want it's their one luxury item. And you know what? It's a cheap luxury item. You go out there and you buy a new you phone think for hundred yep. bucks. That is a cheap luxury item that just makes me feel better about my life people will not give those up and you know, everyone this is has where them. I've been, maybe wrong on apple maybe wrong on apple because valuation has turned me off but the resilience here tells me that in higher rates apple still works now if rates fall off a cliff and their only reason they're gonna fall off a cliff is if we go into a recession that's why they're gonna fall off a cliff but because the fed ain't piling coming in what If the market's at all-time highs, why in the hell is he going to lower rates? It would make no sense whatsoever. He'd be creating his problem again. So if you really believe that rates are going down in 2024, the only reason for that is that the economy falls off a cliff. And I think that's going to happen. But I think you've got to be very careful with all of these stocks that are burdened with debt. And I think you're getting a fantastic opportunity right now to lighten those stocks up. You know, one other thing too about Apple. What what was
1: the other thing that they were really going to be big into? And it was Apple TV, right? And yeah. I, I mean, they and they still, I mean, they have it. I they're slowly focus. building it, Joel. But but, but look at right what move. a debacle like TV, it's streaming in this and now and everything. Look at the competition. I mean,
0: it's honestly, I think they got Disney beat here in their in their in their product versus, let's say, Disney Plus. So if they can get second place there and compete with Netflix, oh on the yeah, platform, that's not yeah. a bad area to be in. Ooh, another thing it, that, to tell you the truth, another thing that most consumers won't give up, right? Most consumers don't give up their streaming services; they keep them. It's crazy, but they're willing to pay the fifteen dollars a month because it's a small luxury. It's a
2: small ticket. So here is your yep. formula, I believe, for success in twenty twenty four: owning stocks of companies that have small ticket prices on their products smaller ticket prices walmart's obviously probably a good one smaller ticket prices because people are not going to be able to finance solar projects they're not going to be able to finance automobile purchases they're not going to be able to finance jet skis and snowmobiles and all this stuff this is just a lot of the markets is just bloody common sense you know we can look at charts and we can look at all this but in the long run common sense actually works. I've I would say, you know, I'm a relationship-based trader, but I trade a lot on common sense. And, you know, like the whole COVID thing, Joel, that was common sense. In January, we knew it was coming in January 2020. It was like, just open up Twitter and look at what the hell is coming at us. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, merch happened. And like, what's going on? We called that for two months ahead of time. You know, think about, you know, like dumb money, you know, Chris Camilo and stuff. he, He makes a lot of money by using common sense, what's hot? What is people talking about? What's, you know, because the stock market is stupid and doesn't price in anything. It is stupid, folks. That's why, that is why you're able to make money as an inefficiency trader, because the market is just stupid. I so I mean, you gotta look, in, and and sometimes you gotta take the blinders off and look at what's happening. And I've taken the blinders off of Apple and Microsoft, and I can see why these stocks, not saying I gotta go buy them today, but on, they'd be on my shopping list on dips here now, because those the, the products that they sell, that Apple sells, are cheap enough to to go through a recession.
0: Yeah, I, I always say you got to understand the current environment. I think that plays right into what Dennis is saying. Let's take a look really quickly. I did want to do a little ticker time. So at least one or two tickers here for you guys in the chat. I saw Pan W mentioned right off the hop as soon okay, as I that's mentioned good. this. That's a Let's good go one. to Pan I'll... W. Let's take a look at this. Recent, they've been pushing. But then the earnings came in. The earnings really mm-hmm. weren't bad. Of course, we've been talking about how the leaders have been getting hit on their earnings. What do you guys think about this chart?
1: Uh, My comments are, you know, you're eight bucks above yesterday's low. So I think on, uh, you know, buyers are going to be scratching their head like I should have been out there in the pre-market yesterday or I should have been out there early. So I think you get a couple higher lows in here, maybe a few days of consolidation and a strong market you get back into this gap area but uh if you were using your dailies and you didn't really focus on anything else you had a low at 23381 you hit 3415 yesterday and you and you're trading eight bucks above it. So it might have been, you know, just uh the one day dip here, but we'll we'll see. We'll see if we can mouse. back and
0: fill in here. Palo House of Mouse, uh Disney Holy Macro Value
1: Act. I didn't guys, see guys, that.
0: This has nothing to do with the earnings, right? This is a jumping onto the ESPN bets game, the 15th. Now we're past it. They gave the little nice press release on that. Get ready. I think this is coming down today. I'm gonna be coming after Disney today. We'll see what happens. Value act
2: job. Short, short Disney.
0: Short Disney it, today, it, man. The, the main thing. By the rumors here, sell the news.
2: I, I have a trading position on Disney. Full disclosure, which I will be selling at at the open here. Um, but it's small. Uh, but I just say the reason Disney has rallied here isn't you know the awesome earnings. It's yep. the target. It's the bar. It's not just the fact that leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders. I mean, we've seen some of the leaders getting hammered lately. Disney is the official laggard of this market. It was lagging before any other stock. I mean, you know, think about the Disney collapse. It's all they would talk about on CMC because there's nothing else going down. Disney is the <laughs> ultimate laggard here. The laggard trade has been on. It's holding up here. That trade will eventually reverse though is the problem. So Disney massive resistance up on hundred bucks. I think rallies to be sold still in the house.
1: Uh, Dennis, you remember when you were talking about a uh, consistent buyer like in the lower eighties? Remember that? there was like yeah, a point and that's a in, huge level. Yeah, and and uh, well I, I didn't realize I looked at the move on Wednesday, Value Act has built up has built a position in it.
2: Yeah. And you they're they're good. You think that was them yeah i thought i was yeah, you know, we table, like you could see the big buyers that were in there you could feel the buying pressure down there. value active is a big how many shares but again you know it's not like you know that disney trades huge volume so probably in a couple of days they can slowly get yep. into their position all right okay, time I'm to wrap write, it up here yep
1: yeah. Uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, we're up, uh, nine handles. We peeled, we peeled back off the, uh, pre-market high. It's a really good level folks because we hit 41 and a quarter off the PPI number and we just hit 39 and a half. So you have a potential, uh, double top, but you know, the propensity of the market to make, you know, close on the highs or lows for the week, that will be the key there. We seem to be getting a little bit at a uh, bid range and, uh, no chance of going red until we go red. And that's at uh, just below, one tick below the pre-market low. So that's all oh. I got. Dennis, what do you, what do you have? For Options these?
2: expiration here today, this morning. I had a lot of buy-in balances across the board 20 minutes ago. Evaporating. A lot of those have flipped to sell. So I think you've had a few people caught and saying, oh, we're really going to have a gap. we up here this morning. And they're starting to leak them here. And those buy imbalances have vanished now and a lot have turned to sell. And again, they could flip back to buy. This is, you know, options expiration. You can't look at the opening imbalances really with a lot of, you know, they can't look at it like hard because they move around so much on these days. But you'll have some wicked opens. You know, there is, you know, movement here. There'll be some stocks that open too high, some stocks that open too low. Typically, from a trading perspective, as an inefficiency trader, options expirations are usually my best day of the month because you have a lot of stocks. Maybe they should open here. They open here, I get short. They open here, I get long. Uh, who
1: uh, who would be, be the yeah? Who would be the best possible guest to have on Monday?
0: Mm, there's, I, I would think two. Uh, I'm going to think two people because that's how good they are. I would think Tim Quast after option, uh, option What about what do we had a lot of earnings? Mmm, a lot of earnings retail, retail. So, Ryan is it- Craver, Graver? yeah, there you go. You see, you see, love my gotta- right, love me some Ryan Craver analysis. Hey, that's going to be fun, definitely. Hey, right, everyone, um, have a great weekend. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Like always, keep up with Joel and on the closing print. Dennis Dick, triple D trader. If you're not Rock. following him, what are you guys doing? Get after it. All right, Dennis, go do what you do best, my friend. Thanks, we'll guys. see what that's happens. Great. All right, guys, we'll get you guys over to the live trading. That's coming up next. Like always, I'll be coming into it. I've been switching it up a lot. I've been trying to stick to more of the swing trade game. So if you guys want to check some of that action out, not just day trading, but also swing trading, that's going to come up next. That's live trading with Benzinga. Ryan and I have been coming after it. Riding a, a dare I say it, a four-day winning streak. Let's see if I can make it five. Who knows? We'll find out today. Like always, you guys can keep up with everything right here on Benzinga. Later today, I'll have Start Swing Trade, of course. That's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern where I talk about the sectors and the industry rotation. That's where we really try to catch things. We will see what happens today. How you find out? Well, just stay with us, team. I'll see you guys over on Live Trading starting up next. We'll be